And we'll go ahead and call our annual business meeting back to order. It's kind of fun to hit that gavel. <laughs> Little stress release there. I like that. That's very nice. Yeah, wow. Uh, well, good morning, everybody. I hope everybody had a wonderful day yesterday, and happy 4th of July. Yes, yes, yes. Couple of brief announcements. Uh, again, just want to encourage everybody, please, if you have a chance and have it in your heart, consider joining the monthly monetary support program for a small donation to increase your pledge of $5, or as a new member, a, a pledge of $10 a month enrolls you in the program. Uh, the number to, to contact folks to get involved is 888-999-3190. That's 888-999-3190. Or you can email askacbmms at gmail.com. That's askacbmms at gmail.com. We also have a few remaining raffle tickets for the big drawing at the banquet. You can win $5,000, $1,000, or $500. You can go to registration or see Alan Peterson. He's roaming the halls and get your raffle ticket from support the Braille Forum. He sells winners. He sells winners. And in addition, we'll have, uh, for anybody who joins MMS uh, each day, you'll have an opportunity to win two $25 Amazon gift cards. And then the grand prizes that will be awarded early in uh, August are a $300 and a $200 Amazon gift card. So please consider those. With that said, uh, would everybody please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I've got my own microphone over here, And Dan. we're going to, uh, today it's going to be led by myself, Dan Spoon, and Ray Campbell. And again, happy 4th of July. All right. So are we ready? I pledge, I pledge allegiance, allegiance to, to the flag. flag of the United States of America into the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless America, the greatest nation on the earth. Thank you all. Now we have a special treat. Our community, our community assistant, Colby Garrison, is going to lead all of us. So everybody remain standing in the singing of America the Beautiful. So, Colby. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesty above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Wow. 
Hip, hip. Thank you, Colby. Woo. Happy Fourth, everybody. All right, now we are going to hear uh, Kelly Gass uh, let us know who our corporate sponsors are for this wonderful convention. Kelly. The American Council of the Blind would like to thank our 2022 conference and convention sponsors. Their continued support is sincerely appreciated. Diamond Sponsors, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, JP Morgan Chase, Comcast, Microsoft, Meta, Vispero, Emerald Sponsors, Amazon, MGM Resorts, Verizon, Walmart, Spectrum, Johnson & Johnson, Ruby Sponsors, AT&T, Google, Waymo, Cruise, Adobe, NCTA, the Internet and Television Association, Onyx Sponsors, Mobile Voting, an initiative of Tusk Philanthropies, American Printing House, Election Systems and Software, Democracy Live, Topaz Sponsors, ACB Lions, Pearl Sponsors, Library Users of America. Thank you, Kelly. Let's hear it for our sponsors. And now we would like to recognize our ACB Angel of the Day, Josette Kernigan. Josette actually lived in British Columbia and Canada, just outside of Vancouver, but she also was a member of the Washington Council of the Blind for many years. Just a wonderful, wonderful lady, and also very involved in the auctions. She loved donating to auctions and bidding on auctions. So the Spoon family got to know her very well. And her testimony today is going to be read by Deb Cook-Lewis. Against the sparkling background, the letters ACB and below each its corresponding braille cell. ACB presents ACB Angel. Josette Kernahan, July 17, 1952 to March 20, 2022. Josette, a white woman with short silver-toned hair, is with her German Shepherd service animal. Deb Cook-Lewis, a white woman. I'm here to talk about Josette Kernahan and her recent passing. Josette Kernahan was a long member of the Washington Council of the Blind and Guide Dog Users of Washington State. In fact, most of her life revolved around these activities. Josette never missed a convention of the national organization or the state affiliate. And this was often a real challenge for her because she had to travel from Canada to attend the conventions. I think the most memorable thing for most of us about our friend Josette was her avid enthusiasm about fundraising. Josette figured out that one of the things we didn't have access to in the US was Canadian chocolate. And she brought lots of it to both the national and state convention. And we're gonna miss that chocolate so much, Josette. Josette was a fan of so many things. She loved music, she loved sci-fi, she loved good conversation, and she loved a party. So she was always lots of fun. 
it was very sad for us when Josette became ill in the fall, and we were very, very concerned about her. Um, unfortunately, she did not recover, and she passed away in March. She's going to be very, very missed, but we believe this angel tribute is exactly what Josette would have wanted. Talk about a fundraiser. That's the way to go. We're going to miss you, Josette, both on the state and national level. And we thank you for our, your contribution to the WCB and the American Council of the Blind. A logo, ACB, in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. Thank you, Josette, for all your contributions. You will be sorely missed and always loved within the American Council of the Blind. All right, folks, it's now time for us to do our first roll call election. So our election supervisor, um, Nancy Marks-Becker, our ACB secretary, Denise Colley, and our parliamentarian, Denise Erminger, are going to, they're actually going to move down to the front row of our uh, ballroom here because they can hear, believe it or not, you can hear much better out in the, in the room than you can hear up here on the stage. So I uh, will make sure that uh, Nancy has a microphone here and then encourage all uh, affiliate delegates that are in person, uh, please make sure and head to a microphone and we have some volunteers that can help get you to the microphone. Again, Denise will call, call roll as she always does in alphabetical order by states first and then special interest affiliates. So, if you're a delegate, please work your way uh, towards the two uh, aisles between A and B and B and C. All right, are we ready? All right, so Denise, I hear you clearly. Can everybody hear Denise in the ballroom say yeah? All right, now you have to be quiet so we can all continue to hear her. So That's right. At this point in time, I would like to turn over our affiliate roll call for our first election for the fourth board of directors position to Denise Colley, ACB secretary. Thank you, Denise. All right, I will try to give you a little bit of warning. Um, I, I was asked if I would do this in smaller numbers. So the first group will be Alabama through California. Um, please, when you give your total, when you give your counts to us, please do them in this order. Terry Pacheco, Cicely Nipper, or Kelsey Nicklay. So Terry, Cicely, Kelsey is the way you give your numbers. We had three uh, states that we uh, did not hear from on the night of opening session. Um, they were uh, Colorado, Maine and Wisconsin, Colorado, Maine and Wyoming. I will call them one more time, and if they are not present, then I, they will not be called um, from that point on. Alabama, three votes. Good morning. Alabama votes one and a half votes for Terry, one and a half votes for Sicily. That's 1.5, Terry, 1.5, Cecily. Arizona, one vote. One more time, Arizona, one vote. 
Arkansas, two votes. <laughs> Arkansas, two votes. California, 21 votes. California cast 13 votes for Terry. Yes. 7.5 votes for Cecily. And 0.5 votes for Kelsey. Thank you. 13, Terry, 7.5, Cecily, 0.5, Kelsey. Yes, ma'am. Colorado. One vote. Colorado, one vote. Colorado will no longer be called. You heard what happened. Connecticut, one vote. Connecticut cast one half vote for Terry and one half vote for Sicily. Point five, Terry, point five, Sicily. DC Council, five votes. DC Council, five votes. What's that? It sounded like a dog. Delaware. Delaware cast 0.5 votes for Terry and 0.5 votes for Cecily. Point five, Terry, point five, Cecily. Oh, no. Florida, 23 votes. There you are. All right. You exist, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> All right. Florida votes nine, Terry, 12, Cecily, two, Kelsey. Nine, Terry, 12, Twelve. Cecily, two, uh, Kelsey. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Georgia, five votes. Five votes for Cecily Laney Nipper. Five, Yay! Cecily. Woohoo! Hawaii, three votes. Hawaii votes uh, three for Cecily. Three votes, Cecily. Illinois, three votes. I'm turning myself, on, turning myself on there. There we go. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Illinois Council cast two votes, Terry, one vote, Cecily. Two, Terry, one, Cecily. Yep. yep. Indiana, four votes. ACB of Indiana cast two votes for Terry, two votes for Cecily. Two, Terry, two, Cecily. Iowa, three votes. Iowa votes 1.5 for Terry, 1.5 for Cecily. 1.5 Terry, 1.5 Cecily. Kansas, three votes. Kansas votes two votes for Terry Pacheco and one vote for Cecily Nipper. Two Terry, one Cecily. Kentucky, three, 13 votes. Kentucky votes five votes for Terry, eight votes for Cecily. Yay! Five Terry, eight Cecily. 
Bluegrass, three votes. Bluegrass votes 1.5, Terry, 1.5, Cecily. 1.5, Terry, 1.5, Cecily. Louisiana, three votes. Three, Terry. Three, Terry. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, Maine, two votes. Maine will no longer be called. Maryland, three votes. Maryland casts 1.5 Terry and 1.5 Sicily. 1.5 Terry, 1.5 Sicily. Bay State, seven votes. Bay State votes seven votes, or pardon me, four votes for Terry and three votes for Cecily. For Terry, three, Cecily. Michigan, five votes. Michigan casts two votes for Terry, two votes for Cecily, and one vote for Kelsey. Two Terry, two Cecily, one Kelsey. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Minnesota, three votes. Minnesota, two for Terry, one for Cecily. Two Terry, one Cecily. Thank you. Mississippi, four votes. Mississippi, four for Terry. Four Terry. Missouri, 22 votes. Sorry, Missouri casts 22 votes for Terry. For Terry? Yes. 22 Terry. Nebraska, one vote. <clears throat> Nebraska, one vote for Cecily. One vote, Cecily. Nevada, two votes. Nevada votes, Terry Pacheco. Two for Terry. New Jersey, two votes. New Jersey. All right. New York, eight votes. Hi, um, we are voting seven votes for Terry and one vote for Cecily. Seven Terry, one Cecily. North Carolina, four votes. North Carolina votes right four votes right for Cecily. No, right here. For Cecily. North Dakota, six votes. North Dakota votes three votes for Terry, three votes for, three votes for Cecily. Three Terry, three Cecily. And I got Cecily. Braille form raffle tickets to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go buy them. Ohio, nine votes. Ohio. Well, Ohio votes two votes for Terry. Five for Cecily and two for Kelsey. Two Terry, five Cecily, two Kelsey. Oklahoma, 19 votes. Nine, 19 votes for Terry Pacheco. 19 Terry. Oregon, six votes. 
Oregon votes for Terry and two Cecily. For Terry, two Cecily. Thank you. Pennsylvania, eight votes. Uh, this is Chris Hunsinger from Pennsylvania. We have four votes for Terry and four votes for Cecily. For Terry, for Cecily. South Dakota, three votes. One Terry, two Cecily. One Terry, two Cecily. Thank you. Tennessee, six votes. Tennessee, six votes, Cecily. Cecily. <laughs> six Cecily. Thank you. Texas, 10 votes. Texas votes 9.5 for Terry, 0.5 for Cecily. 9.5 Terry, 0.5 Cecily. Utah, 12 votes. Utah. Vermont, three votes. Vermont. Three votes. Virginia, two votes. Virginia votes two for Cecily. Two, Cecily. Washington, 16 votes. Washington votes five for Terry and 11 for Cecily. Five, Terry, 11, Cecily. West Virginia, one vote. I need a step stool, but anyway, um, Mountain <laughs> State, this is so high. Mountain State Council votes one vote for Cecily. One Cecily. Wisconsin, one vote. Wisconsin, is there a non here? It's okay. on. Yep, we can hear you. Okay, Wisconsin votes one vote, Terry. One Terry, thank you. Wyoming, one vote. Wyoming, one vote. They will no longer be called. All right. Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, six votes. AAVL casts four for Terry, two for Cecily. For Terry, two Cecily. Teachers, two votes. The teachers cast one vote for Terry and one for Cecily. One Terry, one Cecily. Thank you. Attorneys, two votes. Happy birthday, America. The attorneys cast their two votes for Cecily Laney Nipper. Two Cecily. ACB Diabetics. Uh, four votes. ACBDA, two votes Terry and two votes Cecily. Two Terry, two Cecily. Thank you, Danette. Families, four votes. ACB families votes 1.5 Terry, two Cecily, and 0.5 Kelsey. Yeah. 1.5 Terry, two Cecily, 
Point, point five, five, Kelsey. Yeah. ACB government employees, one vote. One vote for Terry. Pardon? You did it. <laughs> Can you give me that again, please? Yes, ACBGE votes one for Terry. One Terry. That's what I thought you said. I just wanted to make sure. Thank you. ACB Lions, four votes. Uh, ACB Lions, proud Topaz sponsors, votes two votes for Terry, two votes for Cecily. To Terry, to Cecily. ACB Next Generation, four votes. ACB Next Generation will cast three votes for Terry, one for Cecily. Three Terry, one Cecily. Uh, radio Amateurs, one vote. ACB Radio Amateurs cashes one vote for Cecily Nipper. One Cecily, thank you. Students, one vote. Yeah, one vote. One vote for Terry Pacheco. Um, One Terry, thank you. Bits, seven votes. Bits cast 2.5 Terry, 4 Cecily, and 0.5 Kelsey. 2.5 Terry, 4 Cecily, and 0.5 Kelsey. BPI, five votes. Line Pride. Braille Revival League, 10 votes. I thought we had nine. No. We have nine? No, you have 10. Nine? Oh, we do. Huh? Yeah. yeah, no, you have 10. You have more than you thought you did. <laughs> well, okay, that's fine. Okay. That, that's fine uh, with her. <laughs> <clears throat> Revival League cast seven votes for Terry, three votes for Cecily. Seven Terry. Three Cecily. Three Cecily. Thank you. CCLVI, eight votes. CCLVI votes five for Terry, three for Cecily. Five Terry, three Cecily. Thank you. Friends in Art, four votes. Friends in Art cast two votes, Terry, two votes, Cecily. Two, Terry, two, Cecily. Guide Dog users, 16 votes. GDUI, 10 votes for Terry, six votes for Cecily. 10, Terry, six, Cecily. Ivy, one vote. Ivy cast one vote. Terry. One Terry. Thank you. Library users, seven votes. <clears throat> Library users casts Terry, five. Cecily, two. Five Terry, 
Cecily too. That's correct. Thank you. RSVA, 18 votes. RSVA cast 10 votes, Terry, 8 votes, Cecily. 10, Terry, 8, Cecily. Viva, one vote. Viva, ter Terry, point five, Cecily, point five. Terry, point five, Cecily, point five. All right, now we got to go back up and get the ones we didn't get. Arizona, one vote. Arizona casts one vote for Terry Pacheco. One Terry. Arkansas, two votes. Arkansas casts two for Terry. Two Terry. DC Council, five votes. DC Council. New Jersey, two votes. New Jersey. Utah, 12 votes. Utah casts 11, oh, excuse me. Utah casts one for Terry, 11 for Cecily. One Terry, 11 Cecily. Vermont, three votes. Vermont. All right, 1.5 Terry, 1.5 Cecily. Mr. Ch He's having a problem getting in. <laughs> yes, yes. Mr. Chair, that completes the roll call. Oh, yeah, that's right, BPI. Uh, BPI, five votes. All right, that completes the roll call. Thank you, Madam Secretary. I need to hear from the Supervisor of Elections, so please wait one second. 2.5 Terry, 2.5 Cecily. All right, 2. Okay, thank you. 2.5 Terry, 2.5 Cecily. Madam Secretary, has that completed our call, roll, delegate roll call vote for the that, affiliates? That completes the roll call vote of affiliates. All right, thank you so much. Our supervisor of elections will tell, now take our affiliate roll call results, add them to our individual voting results, and we will announce the winner of our fourth position before we start our candidates, um, uh, our next round of candidate elections, which will be at the end of general session today. So it'll be around 11 o'clock, somewhere in that time frame. But it's the last thing on the agenda before announcements and door prizes. So we will announce the winner, and then based on that result, we'll move forward with the elections. We have obviously uh, two different outcomes that could take place here. We could have one candidate win at least 50% of the vote. If, need, if no candidate wins 50% of the vote, then the top two candidates would be in a runoff that would happen to, today and tomorrow. If we have a winner, then we will move on to our fifth board candidate position. 
the results will be announced by Nancy before we start down that process later on in the general session this morning. So is everybody clear with the process there? Thank and I want to say thank you, everybody. Thank you for your patience. Great job with the roll call today, everybody. We did it. Yeah. Woo. Now, I'd like to introduce to you the presiding officer for the day, our second vice president, Ray Campbell, now from Springfield, Illinois. Uh, good morning, ACB, both here in the hall in Omaha and on Zoom and also on ACB Media, everyone out there listening. I shouldn't say just good morning, it's whatever time of day it is for some of you. Um, all right, um, you know, yesterday my officer colleague and friend, Deb Lewis, talked about things that you should think about when you're going into leadership. I'm gonna add one more to that, and that is maybe you should run for a position where you don't have to preside the morning after you spent half the night singing at karaoke. <laughs> but actually, I think I sound pretty good this morning, so uh, we'll uh, roll with that. And uh, again, happy 4th of July. God, happy birthday, America. Uh, it's uh, great, and thank you to all those that uh, fought, and fought and died for the freedoms that we enjoy. Yes. Okay. All right. We are like we are like macho efficient here this morning because we are like 14 minutes ahead of schedule. So um, I, I'm not going to tell any jokes. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> so I'll just uh, yeah, a little Madonna. Somebody's saying up here. Um, yeah, I could, I'd, I'd rather do Weird Al's parody of that one song, Like a Surgeon. But anyway, I better move us on before I get in trouble. All right. So this morning, um, we, have the, we have the opportunity. See, I get the easy job because I get to introduce almost everything that's recorded. So as long as everything plays, and Rick, I know, and the company will take care of that, we'll be good. Um, this morning, we're going to hear, first of all, a presentation about uh, some of the history of uh, Omaha. Uh, we have a video presentation of that. Uh, so uh, Rick and company, if we can get that ready to get that played, uh, let's hear all about Omaha. My name is Hugh Riley. I am a professor emeritus at UNO's School of Communication and a longtime volunteer for the Douglas County Historical Society. The pre-European settlement of this part of Nebraska, there were five major tribes in the area, the Ponca, the Odo, the Sioux, the Iowa, and the Omaha. One of the early chiefs of the Omaha was a man by the name of Logan Fontenelle. You may recognize that last name as there are several place names in Omaha named after him. He was half white, half Omaha individual and uh, was credited with really having the Omaha tribe rise to prominence. He was involved with a lot of the early settlers. One of the stories, according to Mari Sandos, Nebraska author Mari Sandos, he was killed just north of Omaha by a Sioux raiding party, which allegedly contained the prominent Lakota warrior, Crazy Horse. The first settlement in this area was actually Fort Atkinson. The site was selected based on a recommendation from Lewis and Clark, who came through the area in 1804, 
and they selected a site. They had a meeting with several of the local Native American tribes at a place they called Council Bluffs, which is present-day Fort Calhoun. And they recommended that a fort be built there. And in 1819, the construction began, Fort Atkinson. And that fort was there from 1820 to 1827. At the time, it was the largest fort west of the uh, Missouri and was the westernmost fort in the United States. Predating Fort Atkinson, you had actually a trading post founded in 1812 by a man named Manuel Lisa, and then the fort, which was several miles north of that. Manuel Lisa's trading post was just near the border of Douglas and Washington County. The Mormons were probably the next group to arrive, and they arrived in 1846, fleeing Illinois and from Missouri and heading eventually towards the Great Salt Lake. They stopped in a place that they called Winter Quarters, which is now present-day Florence. And that first winter there was a very tragic winter. 4,000 spent the winter there, and more than 600 died, including many, many children. The founding of Omaha didn't occur till almost a decade later. There was a man named William Brown, who was a land speculator, and he owned a ferry. He made his living by ferrying people across the Missouri River from Iowa into Nebraska. And he thought, well, I can make a little more money if I buy up some lots on the Nebraska shore and try to sell them. And he also decided he wanted to publicize his, both his ferry and the real estate. So he founded a paper called the Omaha Arrow, which was the first non-military newspaper in Nebraska. The Fort Atkinson had had a military uh, newspaper there, but the Arrow was the first newspaper in Nebraska, and he promised all kinds of wonderful things and to encourage people not only to use his ferry, but to buy up the land that he had across the river in Nebraska territory. Omaha was the territorial capital of Nebraska from 1854 until 1867. Omaha continued to develop from its early origins. The Omaha tribe went into a treaty with the uh, United States and granted four million acres on which was established, not just Omaha, of course, but many other areas, but they ceded that land. And that was a treaty that was negotiated with the aforementioned Logan Fontenelle. Some of the early prominent folks that came in were the Creightons, Edward Creighton and his wife, Lucretia. Edward had made his fortune from building a one of the first telegraph lines across the country, from Nebraska and all the way west to the west coast. When he died, his widow, Lucretia, left $200,000 in her will to found a school for boys. And it was originally younger boys, it was basically a grade school and a high school before it became a university. So the first couple of years were primarily younger boys, but then, of course, it became the what we now know as Creighton University. To give you an idea of what it was like, uh, Omaha was still a very rugged, dirty frontier town, a lot of crime, not the best kind of constructions. And an early visitor wrote a poem for a uh, Eastern newspaper and described Omaha in this way. Hast ever been in Omaha, where rolls the dark Missouri down, 
where four strong horses scarce can draw an empty wagon through the town, where sand is blown from every mound to fill your eyes and ears and throat, where all the steamboats are aground and all the houses are afloat. If not, take heed to what I say. You'll find it just as I have found it. And if it lies upon your way, for God's sakes, reader, go around it. One of the early uh, reasons for the growth of Omaha, of course, was the Union Pacific Railroad. In 1862, Abraham Lincoln had visited Council Bluffs area, still called Canesville at the time, and looked across the river to the Nebraska shore and decided that was a very good place to start a transcontinental railroad. So he made that decision and everything was put in motion. But it wasn't until after the Civil War, several years later, that construction started. One of the things that it also brought, the railroad also brought, was immigrants. Not only immigrants to work on the railroad, but immigrants that came west across the country and started settling some of the places like Kansas and Nebraska. Some of the early immigrants were a lot of the Irish that came to work on the railroads. It was at the time when the Irish first immigrated to America. There were really only a couple of jobs open to them. They were allowed to join the military and they were encouraged to work on the railroad. So a lot of them came out west to work on the railroad and then eventually settled and stayed. So along with the Irish, there were several other waves of immigrants. You had the Germans, Italians, Eastern Europeans, particularly Czechs, and a lot of uh, Scandinavians came to this area. And one of the interesting features that happened in Nebraska, as opposed to big eastern cities where immigrants settled in neighborhoods, in Nebraska they settled in towns or villages. So you would have an Irish town like Greeley, or you would have a Czech town, or you would have a German town, or a Swedish town. All of these immigrants would settle in one little area, and their descendants still live there. Uh, today we will see many festivals, ethnic festivals in these little hometowns that are kind of a reminder of the ethnic origins of the town. Another significant development in the growth of Omaha was the founding of Fort Omaha in 1868. It was commanded by General George Crook, who had been a Civil War general and also a prominent general in many Indian wars. He had served in Arizona and had captured Geronimo, who later escaped and was captured again by General Miles. He was also involved in the uh, campaign that culminated in the Battle of the Little Bighorn. He was the commanding general in the Battle of the Rosebud, where he was fought to a standstill by Crazy Horse and his warriors. And a few days, a few weeks or so later, was the Battle of the Little Bighorn. So with his experience in dealing with the Native Americans, he had developed a sympathy for them. And uh, he, uh, in 1878 he was involved in something that became known as the Standing Bear Trial. Standing Bear was a chief of the Ponca tribe who lived in this in the Omaha area and a little bit farther north, the Narrabrera River country, actually to be more specific. And their tribe was promised a similar reservation in Oklahoma, was told that the land would be every bit as good as what they had up here in Nebraska. And they were even allowed to go and visit the land and if they did not like it, they could return back to the original land in Niobrara River country. Well, of course, that was never the intent. They were sent down there. They hated what they found down there. The land was dry and hot. 
and nothing like what they were used to up in Nebraska. So they came back up and said, no, we don't want to move there. But the government said, well, you really have no choice. So they were forced to begin a journey south to the Oklahoma Territory. Along the way, they lost dozens of tribe members, old, sick, and young. Standing Bear lost a daughter on the journey down. And when they were in Oklahoma, he lost his son. His son's dying wish was to be buried in the land of his forefathers. And Standing Bear promised that he would do what he was asked. He left with a small group of followers in the dark of night and started walking north, traveling only by night to avoid detection by settlers and by government forces. And he made it all the way back up north of Omaha to what is now the Omaha-Winnebago Reservation area before they even knew he was in the country. Well, the military said, we cannot allow him to go up there. So he ordered George Crook to go up and arrest Standing Bear and take him back down and his people and remove them back down to Oklahoma. Well, Crook was sympathetic to the plight of the Ponca and wanted to help them if he could, but he knew he could not disobey the orders. So he enlisted the help of his friend, Thomas Tibbles, who was an editor for the Omaha Herald at the time. And he told Tibbles the story. It was a Sunday morning. Tibbles promised to do all he could to help. And as he headed back down on foot, back to downtown Omaha, he stopped along the way at area churches and told the story to congregations in the churches to elicit their support. He ended up getting the uh, assistance of two prominent Omaha lawyers, Webster and Poppleton. You may recognize those names for famous Omaha streets. And they used the 15th Amendment, which had recently been passed, which said that anyone born in this country, any man born in this country, was by rights a citizen. This was created to allow African-Americans who had been recently freed to exercise citizenship rights. But Webster and Poppleton said, well, let's use this for Standing Bear. So that was their principal argument, that Standing Bear was obviously born in the United States, and he deserved the same rights of citizenship that the 15th Amendment guaranteed. Judge Dundee eventually agreed with this and declared that, yes, indeed, Standing Bear was a citizen, was a person, and had the rights of citizenship. There was great fear that with this court case that a lot of Native Americans would leave their reservation and head home, just as Standing Bear had done. But Dundee had crafted the ruling very narrowly so that it only applied to Standing Bear and his immediate group of followers. Omaha continued to grow and expand through the years. There's this wonderful slide here that shows the street raising. You can see what a difference it made in terms of the, the depths of the street and how things had grown. The next big celebration in Omaha was something called the 1898 Trans-Mississippi Exposition. And it was basically created to draw attention to Omaha and how the city had grown and how it was prospering and how they wanted to attract all of these visitors to hopefully get some to immigrate, but just to kind of show off and brag that this is what we've got. You should come and see what we've got going on here in Omaha. Over 2.6 million people came to view over 4,000 exhibits. And there are amazing pictures in the uh, archives of the buildings constructed, temporary buildings constructed to 
attract people. There was a Venetian lagoon and all kinds of incredible things that we will show you in the next slide. So there was 184 acres long. You can see from the slides the, uh, the canal there and the wonderful buildings that were constructed. I believe they were made out of paper mache, so they were temporary. And it's at the present-day Kuntz Park there on 19th and Pinckney Street. So in addition to these incredible buildings that they had to attract folks and all these exhibits, the most popular exhibit was actually something called the Indian Congress. There was a village created of Native Americans and multiple tribes, probably a dozen or more tribes, and they were basically, they recreated like the Plains Indians would have their teepees, the Southwestern Indians had their wiki-ups and all of these sort of things so that the people could come and look at the Native Americans in their uh, natural state. One of the most prominent visitors to the uh, Indian Congress, or one of the prominent attractions, I should say, was a Apache chief named Geronimo, who by this time was quite elderly, but he came to the Indian Congress and he made money from his appearances and sold his autograph for a dollar an autograph and made quite a bit of money that way. So Geronimo, of course, was a famous Apache war chief and he went on a bit of a bender and uh, ended up north of Omaha, probably north of Florence, resting by the side of a road, but he had disappeared from sight. And the Omaha Bee in particular, which was one of the prominent newspapers at the time, had banner headlines that he had escaped, that this, this savage war chief was on the loose and on the rampage and lock up your doors and grab your guns and guard your women and all these crazy things. And he was probably in his 80s or later, older at that point. And it was all ridiculous. They found him, as I said, by the side of a road north of Omaha many weeks later. Omaha continued to develop in the early 20th century. One of the arrivals that came to play a prominent role later was a man by the name of Boss Tom Dennison, who arrived in Omaha in 1892. Not too long after Dennison, another man who would play a prominent role arrived. His name was Cowboy Jim Dahlman, and he was elected mayor in Omaha and served from 1906 to 1916, and then again from 1921 to 1930. Tom Dennison was basically a mob boss who ran the gambling houses, many of the bars, um, the brothels, and was a really power behind the throne. Jim Dahlman and he were good friends, and uh, Jim Dahlman basically uh, worked with Dennison to help his many businesses prosper. One of the things that happened in the Jim Dalman's reign was 1913 Easter tornado, which happened on Easter Sunday, roared through town. Of course, there were no sirens or anything like that then. 100 people, 111 people died. Almost 1,700 homes were destroyed. Eventually, Omahans grew tired of the corruption with the Dalman and the Denison group, and they started to promote a reform ticket in 1916. The reform ticket was successful, and Cowboy Jim Dalman was shown out of office, and the reform ticket was very successful in trying to change things around for a few years. Unfortunately, 
1919, an event occurred which changed everything. A uh, black man named William Brown was accused of raping a white woman, even though Mr. Brown was severely handicapped and would have been incapable of doing what he was accused of doing. But he was rounded up by the people of the time. A riot ensued. The mayor, the reform mayor, tried to intervene. He was grabbed by the mob. He was also strung up. He was cut down at the last minute by the police chief and carried back to the courthouse. But William Brown was hung. He was shot. He was burned. And there's some, just a, a real scar on the Nebraska-Omaha history because of that. But because of this riot and the lack of law and order, Dahlman and Dennison were able to get back into power. Dahlman was reelected in 1921, and he and Dennison served until 1930 when Dennison died around that time as well. One of the most significant developments in the history of Omaha was the creation of the Omaha Stockyards. Now, there had been a stockyard in Omaha since the 1870s. A man by the name of James E. Boyd, who was also an early mayor of Omaha, was the first meatpacker in the 1870s. But the stockyards themselves were founded in 1883 by a man named William Swan. They grew in significance and they just spread out all over South Omaha. And by 1890, they were the third largest stockyards in the country. Some of the early meat packers that started there were Armour, Cudahy, Swift, and Wilson. By the 1940s, they were second only to Chicago. And from 1953 to 1973, they were the largest stockyards in the United States. Omaha continued to grow and expand westward. In the early 1960s, 1966, the Woodman Tower was the construction began on the Woodman Tower. It was completed in 1969 and became the tallest building in Omaha until the building of the first National Bank Tower in much more recent times. This slide just kind of gives you an idea of the population growth of Omaha. You can see there were some massive jumps in the population from 1860 to 1870, an increase of 754%. And in the early 1900s, growth slowed that decade from 1890 to 1900, it actually went down 27%. But after that, it continued to grow at a steady pace. There was another small dip between 1970 and 1980, but it continues to grow and is now the metropolis that we know of nearly 500,000 people with the metropolitan area, a population of nearly 1 million. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Uh, wonderful uh, presentation. I'm actually glad we were a bit ahead of schedule so we could get to hear that whole thing. That, that, was, uh, that was quite good. Um, I know my wife, who eats up history, was enjoying that. Um, all right. We are going to move on now to yesterday. You heard brief introductions from three classes of ACB scholarship recipients. Today, we're going to start playing the more in-depth interviews with our class of 2022 ACB scholarship winners. So we will start that process now with scholarship presentations. 
The American Council of the Blind, ACB, and the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, are again partnering together to offer educational scholarships ranging from $2,500 to $7,500 for legally blind students. Congratulations to our 2022 scholarship recipients. Krishna Budwala is from Jersey City, New Jersey, but is originally from Gujarat, India. He is a graduate student pursuing an MBA in management. This fall, he will be attending New York Institute of Technology. Krishna is receiving the James R. Olson Scholarship. An Indian man with dark hair, mustache, and goatee. So my major, the skill I like to build, I, I, I'm into business, like uh, business field. I, I, my family is a business, I, I, my family was in business. Uh, so I like the business field. I like doing numbers, looking after accounts and yeah, I just like the business environment, so I want to go in a corporate world. Madeline Gross is from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. She is an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in art therapy. This fall, she will be attending Marywood University in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Madeline is receiving the Schechter Buckley Scholarship. A white woman with long, dark red hair. Um, hi, so my name is Maddie. Um, what got me interested in my field of study was um, a traumatic brain injury at the age of 12 years old. Um, there was a lot of complications that resulted in uh, legal, like me being legally blind, um, the inability to move my legs, and um, some learning disabilities as well. And through all of that, I was in a lot of therapy for a long time. And I you know, witnessed like myself um, fall and not be who I was before, but I worked very hard to get back to who I am now. And um, one thing that I always used to help me was art. And um, after finding out that art therapy was something that existed and helped people, I decided that I wanted to use what I've been through and use what helped me to help others. So I'll be studying art therapy um, at college in August. Chantelle Zuzi is from Holden, Massachusetts. She is pursuing a degree in international development or international relations with a minor in computer science. This fall, she is attending Wellesley College. Chantelle is receiving the Specialized Studies and States Subcommittee Floyd Qualls Scholarship. A fair-skinned Black woman. I would say um, my personal experience led to my deep desire to become involved with human rights. At my birth, I was denied basic human rights and justice. I was born an albino in a community where albinos are viewed as outcasts. And the only reason I survived was because my parents believed I had the right to leave. So I would love to bring justice back to those who are going through different situations and around the world. Robert Lamb is from Fort Collins, Colorado. He is an undergraduate student pursuing a degree in environmental engineering. This fall, he will be attending Colorado State University. Robert is receiving the Tech for All scholarship. A fair-haired white man. I really feel it's important. I always wanted to be an engineer and environmental engineering is about the best field I could possibly place myself in now for the world and for my future. Maureen Hayden is from College Station, Texas. 
She is a graduate student pursuing a PhD in marine biology. This fall, she will be attending Texas A&M University. Maureen is receiving the Engineering, Science, and Technology Subcommittee Floyd Qualls Scholarship. A white woman with long, dark hair. I had the opportunity to take a marine biology class in high school, um, and it completely changed the way I viewed science and opportunities for science. And then additionally, um, my aunt got me an experience to spend the day with Winter Dolphin, who is a dolphin with a prosthetic tail who has overcome barriers to physical disability. Um, and as someone who like getting to advocate, as someone who had the opportunity to interact with an animal that's an advocate for disabilities in a career that I love, I think that just further sparked my passion for the field. Bavia Shah is from Stanford, California. He is an undergraduate student pursuing a BS degree in mathematical and computational science with a minor in education. This fall, he will be attending Stanford University. Bavia is receiving the Ross N. Pangier Scholarship. A dark-haired Indian man. Uh, I am a rising junior at Stanford studying mathematical and computational science. So I'm really interested in data science, in particular harnessing it for social good. I think data is in some ways something we've always worked with, but the extent and volume at which it is available today is quite unprecedented. And the sort of new insights and information that that has the potential to give us access to is also quite fascinating. I think it often gets a bad name because of the ways in which it can be and is abused. And I want to figure out how we can use this emerging asset of big data for social good instead. Krishna Borawala. I don't think that my great, I've achieved my greatest accomplishment yet because I feel that it is a end point. I'm still in the journey. Madeline Gross. Um, I would say that my greatest accomplishment would definitely be getting into college. There was a point where I didn't think I would even be graduating high school. And um, after all the hard work and the help of, you know, family, friends, teachers, um, I was able to get into the college of my dreams. And that is easily my greatest accomplishment. Chantal Zuzi. Um, as I navigate my college career, I am in the process of founding a nonprofit organization um, dedicated to alleviate the suffering of those who continue to live in the Rwanda refugee camp in Uganda, a place I called home before my own resettlement in the United States, um, especially girls, young women, and people with albinism and people um, with low vision and visually impaired. So I think that is my greatest accomplishment so far. And just being in college, it, it's a great accomplishment. Robert Lamb. My greatest accomplishment is turning my life around. Before my visual diagnosis, I was li living a negligible lifestyle. Ever since I've gone back to school, I've met my wife and all around I'm living life 10 times more than I was before. Maureen Hayden. One of my greatest accomplishments to date is um, I got to recently publish an article on mentoring in science fields in the Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness. 
And to me, this is important because I wish I had peer mentors when I was in school. Um, and it means a lot to me to be able to share my experience with others. Bhavya Shah. At last year's scholarship recipient interview, I shared a little bit about my journey in competitive debate. Um, going quite differently this year, perhaps I'd like to share about an experience I had in supporting a student uh, as part of my voluntary position at the Phoenix Scholars. I was paired with an under-resourced first-generation student in Ethiopia. Her school didn't even have a computer lab, but she was very determined to access better higher education opportunities. And in many ways, her story as an international student, someone who had struggled through resource constraints and other societal barriers resonated with me as an international student. I originally come from India and just working with her over Zoom and on Google Docs and through internet connectivity issues and the stresses of the college application season, I was really, really proud to have been a part of her eventual admission into her top school, into her program of choice. So she will be studying neuroscience at Duke University this fall on a generous financial aid package. Krishna. About me, I'm a person who never says no. Uh, un- unless it, it takes my life, I, I never say no. I'm, I'm up for everything and anything. Madeline. I'd say something that a lot of people don't know about me is, um, you know, by looking at me, a lot of people don't know um, all of the disabilities that I have acquired and how I've gotten through all of them. A lot of my, dis- my disabilities are invisible. So including the um, blindness as well, it's, it's hard to tell when someone's blind, in my experience at least. Um, so I'd say that is usually a big shock to people. And then when they find out that I am a visual artist, that's usually quite surprising as well, but, (laughs) um, yeah, (laughs) but using art, um, like figuring out how to do art with a lack of vision has been, um, truly an amazing process. So I'd say, um, all my friends would always call me like the visually impaired visual artist. So I'd say that's something that's, that's quite funny. (laughs) Chantal. Well, people might not know that I speak five languages, French, Swahili, um, Lingala, English, and Kinyarwanda. So that's something people might not know about. Robert. When the pandemic started, I actually taught myself how to slackline. And now I'm at a point where I can slackline 120 feet or longer on a one inch wide line, about 10 feet off the ground. And it's my greatest hobby. Maureen. Um, one thing people might not know about me is I love travel and I've traveled to more than 15 different countries uh, before the age of 30. Um, but I have yet to hit Africa um, and the Antarctic, you know, the Arctic and the Antarctic. Um, but I don't want to stop traveling. I love experiencing new cultures. Uh, One of the things that I like to flex a lot is that I have ridden the fastest roller coaster in the world thrice. Uh, This was in Abu Dhabi at Ferrari World. And just in general, I really enjoy roller coasters. I've been to Drayton Manor in the UK. It's a theme park. Universal Studios in Singapore. Ad Labs Imagica in India. And most recently, I visited... Disneyland, the Incredicoaster, was pretty great. 
A logo, ACB, in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. So um, it's, uh, we're like way ahead of schedule here. So um, how about door prize people, are you ready? Or if somebody would like to make an announcement, um, I've got one I could make, but I'm not gonna do that because that would be unfair advantage here. Although my affiliate would probably love me to do it. Door prize people, can you be ready or is some? Okay, okay, thanks. Um, um, well, since I've got the mic. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'm gonna tell a quick story here. So everybody asks Karen and I, why in the world did you move to Springfield, Illinois? You know, you were in Chicago and just everything was great. And um, Well, the, uh, I will tell you the reason we did not move to Springfield, Illinois. And that reason is the local delicacy in Springfield, Illinois. Can they, probably nobody can guess what the local delicacy in Springfield, Illinois is. It is called the horseshoe. The horseshoe consists of a hamburger patty that is covered with cheese and french fries, I believe. Um, it sounds like a lot of fat and calories that I sure don't need. We'd have to really have get up and get moving work with us, and Leslie would have to get us uh, going if you ate too many of those. So uh, we can uh, guarantee you next year in Schaumburg, Illinois, at least Try to and definitely guarantee as much as uh, I have control that there will be no horseshoes there. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I'm going to make the ICB announcement then, since nobody else is at a microphone to make one. So, uh, the Illinois Council of the Blind is selling 50 50 raffle tickets in our annual summer raffle. Tickets are $5 each, or five tickets for $20. You can buy them in several ways. You can go to the ICB website at www.icbonline.org and click on the 2022 Summer Raffle link there. And uh, that will take you through the Drupal Commerce uh, piece. If you buy more than five tickets, just a warning, you won't see the discount apply until you check out. So just be aware of that. Um, you can contact our office at 217-523-4967. Um, you can also send a note to icb at icbonline.org through PayPal and just indicate how many tickets you'd like. Or you can uh, find, uh, Karen and I have them. Uh, you can find us uh, around the convention. You know, if you look at the newspaper the last couple of days, uh, it has, our contact, has, my, has my phone number in there. So feel free to call and text, call or text, and we'll make uh, arrangements to, uh, to uh, get you some tickets. So. Uh, the last couple of years, the winner has won over $900, guys. So please uh, support us in that uh, endeavor. Do we have any other announcements? Tell about door prize, people. Are you ready? We're ready. Okay. Let's do, um, let's do, let's do three door prizes if we can. We can do that. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. This is the late running Mark Bolger here. That's <laughs> okay. All right, Mark, and Tyler, of course, my buddy Tyler. Okay, the, 
first, first door prize is a $25 Amazon gift card. Ooh, we all like shopping at Amazon. And from the great state of Minnesota, Scott Egan. Egan? Scott Egan. Scott, Scott Egan. No. Now remember this year, they don't have to be in the room. Uh, if no. you're, you're gonna get the door prize. It does take a little fun out of it, but we need to think of our virtual friends as well. So even if you're here, we're gonna mail it to you. Yes. All right. And then, who doesn't like Amazon gift cards? They mail easy and they spend really well. Uh, from the, the great state of New York, $25 gift card to Amazon from, to Jonathan. Hum, H-O-M. All right. All right, congratulations. Do one and, more. And one more here. And now the last one is a $20, $20 cash. That's so you can, you can spend that anywhere. You, you can go to the bar. Yeah. But, although if they'll, they'll mail that to you, uh, then you have to go to the bar at home, I guess. Yeah. I could loan you some money for compounded interest, though. But uh, <laughs> anyway, from the great state of Indiana, we have Erlene Hughes. All right, Erlene. Erlene Hughes. Right, way to go. Very good. Well, thank it's you so presidents. much, guys. What? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, whoever we're singing to. Happy birthday to you. Who are we singing to there? Ah. Okay, Kathy Moccasin, I think I heard. Well, happy birthday. You're born on the same day as America's independence. How about that? Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and in the room and on Zoom, we're gonna get back to it here. Um, so I uh, hope you all had a good break. Uh, whether you're here in Omaha, let's get the noise down in the room a little bit, please. All right. Oh, where, where is it? Okay, there it is. Oh, yeah. That is, I'm like, Dan, that is kind of fun. Uh, quick story about a gamble, though. When I first became president of ICB, I um, was carrying a gamble in a block around, and... Um, Left them, guess where, in the bar. <laughs> so I went down there for lunch, but okay. All right, next, one of the great things that, um, one of the great things that we do here in ACB and that we have been ambassadors of for many, many, many years under the leadership of Dr. Joel Snyder and um, our board of directors since 2009, I believe, we've had the audio description project. And every year, it's, it's always a lot of fun to recognize those who are making outstanding achievements in audio description. So this morning, we're gonna now recognize those individuals through our Audio Description Project Awards. Our Audio Description Project is co-chaired by Kim Charlson, and Carl Richardson. So without further ado, let's hear our Audio Description Project Awards presentation. 
ACB presents 2022 Audio Description Project Achievement Awards in Audio Description. Jeff Tom, ADP Awards Committee Chair. Each year, the Audio Description Project, as one of its many initiatives, recognizes outstanding contributions to the field of audio description. This year, we are pleased to be presenting awards in five categories, performing arts, media, museums, the international arena, and the public sector. We also remember the contributions of Dr. Margaret Fansteel and Barry Levine for the Dr. Margaret Fansteel Memorial Award for Research and Development and the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. Awards committee members will present these awards. To present the award for achievement in achievement in the area of performing arts for individuals, here is ACB Executive Director, Eric Bridges. Achievement in Audio Description, Performing Arts, Individual. Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director. Well, my name is Eric Bridges and I'm the Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. And I'm so pleased to recognize the Executive Director of the Iowa Radio Reading and Information Service, Mary Frances Evans. I've known Mary Frances for many years and I'm a fellow proud Iowan and would like to talk with you a little bit about Iris's dedication to audio description over the last decade. After receiving some funding, they were able to reach out to uh, the Des Moines Performing Arts uh, place equipment into theaters and hire volunteers. And along the way, we're able to bring out our own Dr. Joel Snyder to train those volunteers in audio description. In October of that year, the first audio described theater event took place in Iowa with a audio described performance of Les Miserables. Mary Francis and her team have been dedicated, passionately dedicated to this work for the last decade. And in fact, one penultimate experience within the state of Iowa was a performance of The Miracle Worker, which was completely accessible. The Sensation Team, which is the group of volunteers that provide audio description, worked with the cast of The Miracle Worker to lay out all of the proper pacing so that there could be live audio description during the actual performance. It is due to her dedication, energy, and frankly, dynamism that I am so proud to be able to be here today. Congratulations, Mary Frances. Mary Frances Evans, Executive Director, Iowa Radio Reading Information Service. Wow, Eric, thank you. Um, I, I'm astonished and surprised. We just, we just do what we do, but you know, it doesn't matter if there's nobody coming to use it. And um, ICUB and the ACB chapters in Iowa, I mean, this would not, they're 50% of this, because it doesn't matter if nobody's coming and if nobody's spreading the word, but um, it's been it's been one of the most fun things I've ever been involved with. You mentioned the um, 
miracle worker, a fully access, a full access performance of live theater at the Des Moines Playhouse and how we worked with the actors to, we had, well, Helen Keller doesn't advance the story very much audibly, right? So we had to, she would freeze and the actors would freeze in place while we caught up to describing what actions she was doing. We added about 20 minutes to the show, but I'll tell you that afternoon with that audience, even though we all knew how that play ended, it was silent followed by tears when the show ended because it was such an intimate experience for everyone involved because the actors, the audience, the audio describers were all kind of connected together in this. um, I mean, we do it, we did it under the excuse of accessibility, but it kind of wove the story together into such a much more intimate experience for everybody. Achievement in audio description, performing arts organization. Jeff Tom, ADP awards committee chair. The award for performing arts organization goes to Prime Stage Theater, their producing and artistic director, Wayne Brenda, and their audio describer, Nathan Ruggles, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Prime Stage Theater, since its founding in 1996, has made outstanding contributions to audio description. Since 2017, the year Nathan began describing for Prime Stage, all of its productions have included description. But Nathan has brought more than just audio description to Prime Stage's patrons. He suggested, and the theater instituted, touch touch tour workshops before the described performances so that patrons could touch costumes and props and even look at the set. With the advent of the pandemic, under Nathan's guidance, Prime Stage began providing audio description with all live performances that are streamed through its website. This included productions that are closed captioned and streamed in several languages through Prime Stage's Engage Op Program for Genocide Awareness. Wayne and Nathan, congratulations to you and Prime Stage for all that you have done for the patrons of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in audio description. Nathan Ruggles, audio describer, Prime Stage Theater. Well, uh, thank you very much. Um, it, it's definitely my honor and privilege uh, to not only receive this award, but to have been able to work with Prime Stage Theater. Um, our relationship really is, it's a story of, of commitment and of collaboration. Right now in the audio description where a lot of folks are struggling over quality versus quantity, do you know, and when uh, Prime Stage, you know, asked that question, quality versus quantity, they said, yes, <laughs> um, let's do both. Uh, some organizations may check the, you know, accessibility box for audio description and Prime Stage, you know, they ask me, where's the checkoff list of the things that we need to do? And, you know, in the midst of a t- pandemic, not only are they providing audio description, but they're expanding it to include streaming access at the same time where some may be coming, cutting back. And as far as some specific thanks for folks, certainly all the staff there uh, at Prime Stage, Wayne, um, Connie Brenda, finance director, uh, Debbie Saranka, who's the accessibility coordinator, um, and uh, 
Kim Brown is there, uh, does their costumes and she provides me great uh, information on those as well. John Michael Bohatch, J.R. Shaw as well. Uh, I think uh, we should also thank uh, the Greater Pittsburgh Arts Council and City Theater uh, in Pittsburgh. They have uh, provided us with the equipment for providing the audio description. Um, the staff at the New Hazlet, where the uh, Prime Stage has their productions, uh, helping working all the work they do to, re to record it and facilitate everything around production. Uh, LAMP, the Library of Accessible Media for Pennsylvanians, part of the Carnegie Library System in Pittsburgh, providing uh, the Braille programs for free. Uh, also, Brian Rutherford, who has been an advisor to myself and Prime Stage as well. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't thank the folks that trained me, uh, Deborah Lewis and Ruth Feldman of Audio Description Solutions, uh, Steve Smith, Mimi Kennedy-Smith of the Amarillo Theater Company, uh, of the folks over at Lee, the Leadership Exchange in Art, Arts and Disability and the Kennedy Center for, for Providing Training, and Michael Snyder of Audio Description Access in Cincinnati, who got me started. So thank you very much again. Wayne Brindoff, Producing Artistic Director, Prime Stage Theater. And on behalf of Prime Stage, um, I'm honored to receive this recognition for serving a very important audience and providing opportunities for them to discover and enjoy the experience of live theater. Um, with Nathan Ruggles as our describer, um, as Nathan said, it's not only a matter of wanting to make this, uh, make theater accessible to all audiences and especially to this audience, we wanted to do it with quality. You know, it's, we could do, yeah, hey, we want to do audio description, but with Nathan as the guide and Nathan as our describer, we're providing more than just audio description. And that's the important thing. It's, it's like with a touch tour, with the, um, the, the experiences before the show, with the experiences that enhance the show, like with the Braille programs and the, and the large print. But also Nathan has been our guide to say, okay, what do we need to do to make this not only audio description, but to really bring, bring the theater experiences to life? Um, for these audiences. That's really the, that's the important thing. Um, and that's where we talk about the quality and the quantity. That's what it is. And then with the, um, with the, with the Engage program that we're working with the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh with, through, for genocide awareness, here's another opportunity. Now we're reaching not just regional audiences, we're reaching international audiences. So how do we reach international audiences with theater um, and, and using with audio description? So those performances are also audio described in ways that are meaningful, entertaining, and inspirational. That's our goal. That's really our goal. And, um, and that's what Prime Stage is going to continue doing. We feel that this audience is extremely important. And we want to make this theater accessible, live theater accessible to them, whether it's online, whether it's streaming, or whether it's live. And we hope to also uh, reach into younger audiences as well. So that's that's where Prime Stage is coming from. And again, we want to thank thank you very much for this honor and for this recognition. And our goal is now to to build on this recognition to reach even more audiences. Thank you very much. Achievement in Audio Description, Media, Individual. Jeff Tom, ADP Awards Committee Chair. In the media category for individuals, it gives me enormous pleasure to present this award to two people 
whose voices are going to be very familiar to many of you. The award goes to Norma Jean Wick and Tony Androcho for the provision of audio description as part of NBC's coverage of the Tokyo and Beijing Olympics and Paralympics on behalf of Video Description Works. How many of you knew what a double axle was or what somebody did up there on the balance beam? Their work required extensive research into the competitors and terminology for 68 sports over the summer and winter games, culminating in an improvisational high wire act of live description, working alongside dozens of different announcer teams. Both Tony and Norma Jean have long-standing careers and commitment to the field of audio description, but the joy they have brought to so many of us through their Olympic description is truly unparalleled. Norma Jean and Tony, thank you very much and congratulations. Norma Jean Wick and Tony Ambrosio, Descriptive Video Works. Well, wow. Thank you to the ACB and its members for this honor. It's a privilege to do this work and live television is fast. The moments are fleeting and full of split second decisions. And they often leave us questioning whether we've achieved our only goal and that is to serve you, our audience. And this recognition is humbling and encouraging because as much as our voices are in your ears, we value and appreciate hearing your voices too. Uh, it's an individual award, right, Tony? <laughs> but uh, truly a team effort. So uh, we wouldn't be doing this, first of all, without the efforts of people like Tom Wadlikowski, the VP of Accessibility for Comcast, and the Descriptive Video Works founder, Diane Johnson. And of course, the commitment and dedication of NBC to providing this unparalleled coverage of these spectacles of sport sportsmanship and pageantry and uh, a personal thanks as I've mentioned to my colleague Tony Ambrosio and our producer Monica Downer and last but not least Descriptive Video Works and in particular studio head Reese Lloyd for inviting us to be part of this incredible journey. So thank you to all of you and we look forward to keep pushing that boat along. Thank you. Thank you to the American Council of the Blind for this humbling recognition. Thanks to Reese Lloyd at Descriptive Video Works for putting his faith in us. Thank you, Norma, for being a great friend, colleague, and always, always with the right encouragement. It has been overwhelming the amount of support we have received from the visually impaired community. And you realize right then and there how valuable the service that Norma and I provide. And we are looking so much forward to future Olympics and Paralympics working together. Achievement in audio description, visual art, museums, visitor centers, individual. Dan Spoon, ACB president. Hello, I'm honored today to present Holly Griesemer for our audio description project award as an individual who's done outstanding work in the area of visual arts, museums, and visitor centers. Uh, Holly, uh, is a manager and program assistant with the Midwest uh, National Park Service. And Holly concentrates on rivers, trails, conservation assistance, and most importantly, accessibility programs. Holly has been a wonderful advocate for our blind and low vision community, especially 
concentrating in audio description over the last three years. She spearheaded the Midwest Parks getting involved in two of our Unity Descriptathons, Descriptathons 8 and 9, where many of the Midwest National Parks have audio described their visitors brochures. Uh, in addition to that, she's worked to host community events uh, highlighting the National Park Service employment opportunities and directing those towards our blind and low vision community. So we are honored today to recognize Holly Griesemer for her outstanding work in visual arts, museums, and parks. Unfortunately, Holly cannot be here today because she's dealing with a family situation. But Holly, thank you for all that you do to support audio description. Achievement in audio description, visual art, museums, visitor centers, organization. Clark Rackville, ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Wright Brothers National Memorial in Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, has created a truly immersive and accessible experience for people who are blind and low vision. Upon entering the visitor center, visitors are greeted by friendly and knowledgeable staff, as well as braille and tactile panels depicting the four Wright Brothers flights. An audio tour is available at the Wright Brothers Visitor Center that guides the user through all aspects of the Visitor Center and their programming. Some of the most impressive features are the life-size description of the Wright, Wright Brothers plane, as well as the capability to sync the audio tour with video monitors depicting momentous occasions in flight. Outside of the Wright Brothers Visitor Center, guests can still have a very accessible experience by downloading and using the National Park Service app and experiencing the audio description included there as well. For these reasons, the Wright Brothers National Memorial is first in flight and first in accessibility. Here to accept the award for achievement by Visual Art Museum and Visitor Center, on behalf of the Wright Brothers National Memorial, I'd like to welcome Dave Halleck, Superintendent for National Parks Eastern North Carolina. David Halleck, Superintendent, National Parks, Eastern North Carolina. Thank you, Clark. And I'd like to thank the American Council for the Blind for honoring Wright Brothers National Memorial with this 2022 Audio Description Achievement Award. Wright Brothers National Memorial commemorates and celebrates the achievement of the first human-powered controlled flight, which occurred on December 17th in 1903. That work, that achievement was a direct result of the ingenuity, genius, and perseverance of Orville and Wilbur Wright in overcoming significant challenges to achieve flight. I am proud to report that in 2018, we were able to reopen the Wright Brothers National Memorial Visitor Center, which by the way, is a national historic landmark after several years of rehabilitating the entire building 
and also developing brand new exhibits. Part of that exhibit development included the audio description component, which is critical to interpreting the complexities of human flight development and doing it in a way within the National Historic Landmark Visitor Center that is commensurate with the historic fabric of the building. Uh, it is my honor to accept this award, and I would like to thank some of our staff that were involved in developing the audio description program. And those staff include Jin Prugzawan, Mary Dahl, Scott Babinowicz, Beth Hudick, Jessica Howard, and Krista Kovac Hinsley for their very hard work to make this an exceptional program. Thank you again for this recognition, and I hope you all have a chance to visit Wright Brothers National Memorial soon. Audio Description Project Public Sector Award. Sean Barrett, member ADP Awards Committee. The Audio Description Project is pleased to present the ADP Public Sector Award to the Centers for Disease Control Accessibility Program and the Office of the Associate Director of Communications in Atlanta, Georgia. This award is given for their diligent and professional work over the past two years, promoting access to all media during the COVID-19 pandemic. The CDC has placed special emphasis on adding audio description to its videos so that all audiences, especially people who are blind or visually impaired, are afforded equivalent access to information and services offered to those in the general public without disabilities. The Audio Description Project and the American Council of the Blind earnestly thank the Centers for Disease Control for their hard work, professionalism, and dedication to ensuring that their multimedia product provides the highest quality of access for all members of the public. Accepting the award today is Mark Urban, Accessibility Program Manager, Centers for Disease Control. Congratulations, Mark. Mark Urban, CDC, ATSDR, Accessibility Program Manager. Thank you, Sean. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control is honored to receive this award. And my team and the team at the Associate Director of Communications um, are very humbled by the opportunity to add value across the United States and the world in ensuring health access for individuals with disabilities and especially individuals with blindness or severe low vision. We have, uh, we worked through a process of moving from not understanding this topic and needing to really educate our workforce about the need for individuals who can't see what's happening on the screen to understand the best health messages being communicated. And that guidance has now been shared across the government and is used by numerous agencies as the basis for determining the accessibility of their video scripts. Thanks again to the committee. I want to thank the Council of the Blind for their recognition of our hard work and appreciate all of the support that ACB's uh, audio description project provided in development. International Award. Kim Charlson, ADP Steering Committee Co-Chair. Hello, I'm Kim Charlson, 
and I will be presenting the International Award for Achievement in Audio Description. The World Blind Union, WBU, is the global organization representing an estimated 253 million persons who are blind or partially sighted worldwide. Members are organizations of and for the blind in 190 countries, as well as international organizations working in the field of vision loss. The WBU brings together national and international organizations of and for blind persons and organizations providing services to people with low vision who work on issues to affect the quality of life for all people who are blind. And 99% of respondents said that they believe audio description or more audio description should be available. And just this past year, the WBU and the American Council of the Blind once again collaborated to produce a Spanish translation of the ACB published title, The Visual Made Verbal, a training manual and guide to the history and applications of audio description, written by Dr. Joel Snyder. It is my great honor to present this year's International Award for Achievement in Audio Description to the World Blind Union and its new CEO, Mark Workman. Mark Workman, CEO, World Blind Union. Thank you very much, Kim, for those kind words. My name is Mark Workman. I joined the World Blind Union earlier this year. So this is one of those rare but delightful situations where I get to come in after all the hard work has been done and I still get to receive the award. I'm very pleased to accept this award on behalf of the World Blind Union. I wanna thank the American Council of the Blind who have been such wonderful partners in the promotion of audio description, both in the United States and around the world. And I'd of course like to thank Dr. Joel Snyder for his substantial contributions to this field. For those who are blind or partially sighted, to fully participate in their communities, it's essential to have access to cultural works and artistic contributions. Audio description is a fundamental key to providing that access. At the WBU, we're proud to have played a small part in promoting audio description, and we greatly appreciate this recognition from ACB. I look forward to meeting many of you in Omaha. Thank you again for this very generous award. Margaret Fanstiel Award for Research and Development. Dr. Joel Snyder, PhD, ADP Founder and Senior Consultant. Hello, this is Dr. Joel Snyder, founder of and senior consultant to the ACB's Audio Description Project. Dr. Chris Taylor and Dr. Elisa Parego, based in Trieste, Italy, have uh, provided really a great service to the field of audiovisual translation and more specifically to all who study, produce, appreciate, and use audio description. They are the editors of the recently released The Rutledge Handbook of Audio Description. This handbook 
provides a comprehensive overview of the expanding field of audio description, the practice of rendering the visual elements of a multimodal product, such as, such as a film, a painting, or live performance, into the spoken mode, and for the benefit principally of the blind and visually impaired community. So it is a real special pleasure for me to introduce my friends, Chris and Elisa, as the recipients of the International Audio Description Achievement Award for 2022. Dr. Chris Taylor and Dr. Elisa Perego, University of Trieste, Italy. Thank you, Joe, for that interesting introduction. And of course, we are both delighted and honored to receive this award. And I'd like to, uh, apart from myself and, uh, and Elisa, uh, to accept this award also on behalf of all the 38 contributors, including your good self, Joe, who, who made this possible. And now I'll hand over to, to Elisa. Yes, Chris said everything, but uh, I'm, I'm really happy about the award um, as well. I'm honored and, uh, and especially happy and grateful because um, the work that has enabled us to get to the book uh, has been a real uh, adventure. It's been a chance to know a lot more about audio description. It's been a chance to network with over 50, uh, 80 specialists in, in different fields. And, and so that's why it is so important for us to share uh, the the award with all the contributors. That's uh, really important because this is uh, a real uh, joint effort, um, I have to say. It's been, uh, you know, a couple of years of... <laughs> Dr. Taylor displays the book. In fact, this is the culmination, not only of the two years of work in uh, producing the actual book, but the culmination of 20, 30, even 40 years work on, in, yeah. on, on some people's backs. So uh, let's hope that this does get used and get appreciated by the world of audio description. Thank you very much indeed. Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. Carl Richardson, ADP Steering Committee Co-Chair. Hello everyone, as Co-Chair of the Audio Description Project for the American Council of the Blind, it is my true pleasure and honor to recognize Mark Turris, Vice President of Audio Description, Captioning and Accessibility for Paramount Global. I have had the pleasure of seeing him advocate for audio description as a colleague, consumer, and advocate. Mark has been in the field of accessibility and audio description for almost 40 years. He started out with Showtime, then he went on to ABC, where he oversaw captioning, and then at CBS in 1996, and now with Paramount Global. We wanna thank Mark for his 40-year commitment to accessibility of television, pay TV, streaming, and theatrical releases. It is my true pleasure to give Mark this well-deserved award for the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement. Thank you, Mark. Congratulations. Mark Turritz, VP, Captioning and Audio Description, Paramount Global Access Services. Thank you for that warm introduction, Carl. Hello, everyone, and I hope you're all having a productive time at the 2022 ACB Conference and Convention. When I learned that I was chosen to receive this award, I was overwhelmed by the significance of being given an award of such importance just for doing the work that I love in service for our blind and visually impaired and deaf and hard of hearing consumers. 
and just as I've done every day for the past 34 years at the major US broadcast networks, first at ABC and now at Paramount Global and CBS since 1996. First, I'd like to thank Kim Charlson, who so kindly nominated me and the ACB's awards committee has selected me to receive this great honor. The body of work which I'm so honored to be recognized here today is not just me by any stretch of the imagination. It is a result of a very large, talented and dedicated group of people, folks inside CBS and Paramount Global, our outside access services vendors who create the best in class audio description that you hear on our programs and collaboration with advocacy groups such as the ACB's audio description project. So this award is not only for me, it is also for all the people who are behind the end result that is our audio description. I'd also like to thank my wife, Kathy, and my adult sons, Jack and Jesse, and their partners, Jordi and Kara, who have always supported me through the many years I've devoted my life to accessibility, with my demanding job sometimes necessarily taking precedence. It is their love that always carries me. I'd also like to thank my 93-year-old father, Alan, and my late mother, Joan, for the life and unwavering support they always gave me, even if it meant that I chose Cooper Union Art School over the career in engineering or accounting data mission for me, but that all worked out. Thank you all again for this incredible honor and enjoy the rest of your conference at the convention. Beatty, benefits of audio description in education. Susan Glass, Beatty Chairperson. Hello, ACB. My name is Susan Glass, and since 2013, it's been my honor and privilege to chair ACB's Audio Description Project's Benefits of Audio Description in Education, Beatty, subcommittee. Each year, ACB ADP and our partner, the Described and Captioned Media Program, DCMP, co-sponsored the Beatty Contest, in which blind and visually impaired young people ages 7 to 21 watch an audio-described film of their choice and then write a 300-word evaluation of the film's audio description. They share specific ways in which the audio description enhanced or detracted from their experience with the film. Members of the Beatty Committee read all contest entries and choose first, second, and third place winners in four student age categories. The grand prize winner receives an iPad mini and an invitation to read their review at either ACB's legislative mid-year meetings or the national conference and convention. This year's second place award in the sophomores category goes to Achilles Budgeon of Agnes Smith Elementary School, Huntington Beach, California, for a review of The Case of the Missing Day. Aaron Martell from the Arapahoe Classical Magnet School in Richardson, Texas, wins first place in the sophomores category for his review of the video, Archie the Brave. In the juniors division, Tatiana Sampson of North Dakota Vision Services School for the Blind, Grand Forks, North Dakota, wins second place for her review of the video, Kindness Counts. First place in the juniors division is presented to Journey Rust of North Dakota Vision Services School for the Blind, Grand Forks, North Dakota, for his review of the video, dog trainer. Our second place winner in the seniors category is Caitlin Davis from Huntington Beach High School, Huntington Beach, California, for her review of Against the Odds, The Rise of Mary Fisher. 
first place in our seniors category and also this year's grand prize winner is awarded to Brennan Lamara, again from Huntington Beach High School for his review of the video, The Debaters. Congratulations to all of our winners. And now Brennan Lamara will read his review to the American Council of the Blinds National Conference and Convention. Brennan Lamara, Huntington Beach, California. In the video of the debaters, the description was pretty reliable. The difficulty mostly lay in the fact that for long sessions of the video, there was only dialogue, therefore leaving nothing to be described. I'm not sure if there were any images on screen while they were debating. However, I found the description to be satisfactory in all other parts of the video. The describer guy was very professional sounding and he did a great job relaying the events of the video in a succinct and easy to follow manner. For example, he described the initial logos very well. In my experiences watching movies, I take an educated guess on the quality of the description based on the initial logos, because if they take the time to describe to the viewer the intricacies of a woman on a castle, which is one of the logos for Disney, they will probably give me a satisfactory movie watching experience. Also, in the beginning of the video, several characters are introduced and they talk somewhat rapidly about themselves. The describer makes these transitions very well. And again, coming from my experiences with described movies, rapid transitions can be a little tricky to describe, but this guy did it perfectly. Overall, I really appreciated the description and the DCMB company as a whole for allowing us blind folk to watch movies I decided. Thank you for bringing the magic of film up to life for the blind. A logo, ACB in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. All right. Can thank you, Audio Description Project, um, and congratulations to all of those award winners. And a uh, uh, special personal note, uh, Barry, we still miss you. Um, okay. I, before I, uh, the last thing I get to do this morning is the best. They say the best for last here. And the title of the person I'm about to introduce is Manager of Membership Engagement. Well, there are few more engaging people than this person, but besides that, she is a songbird at karaoke and she gives great hugs. It gives me great pleasure to bring to the microphone ACB's manager of membership engagement, Miss Cindy Van Wink, or Cindy Hollis. Oh, I, I screwed that up. I was not, uh, I'm, I'm dead. Call me Cindy West. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm also known as Cindy Sunshine Hollis. Just remember that one, okay? Yeah. Hello, ACB. It is always an honor and privilege for me to come before you. This is my fourth opportunity. My first was in Rochester, and then we were virtual. And gosh, it's good to be together again, isn't it? Yeah. To all of you listening on ACB Media or on Zoom, I just want to say we miss you. And uh, next year, Schomburg, start saving your dollars and join us. 
So I want to talk a little bit about community, and I want to talk about affiliate opportunities, and I want to talk about how we individually and collectively can make a difference. But before I do those three things, a year ago, a little over a year ago, ACB hired Colby Garrison, and she is the membership administrative assistant. Now, I started following Colby on Facebook when I didn't know who I was following or what I was doing on Facebook. <laughs> and somebody was a friend of a somebody was a friend of, you know, and I would just start friending people. And I don't know if she friended me or I friended her, I don't know. But I know it was well over 10 years ago. Um, but never had met her until Friday. And she's been working with me for 15 months. We talk daily, of course, Monday through Friday. And, uh, but I want all of you to meet Colby. So I'm gonna bring her up here. She's, she's up here next to me. And I just want her to take about two minutes and tell you just a little bit about herself. So welcome to the podium, Colby Garrison. Yeah. And the microphone is right there. <laughs> I'm holding on to it. Hello, ACB. <laughs> I am Colby Garrison. I'm so honored to be up here next to Cindy and to be part of the membership team. Um, I remember growing up and listening to these conventions on ACB radio and thinking, how does everybody get from point A to point B and navigate all around and do all this? And now I am so blessed to be up here on staff and on this podium. I got teary a little bit earlier sitting up here um, having that moment. So uh, thank you so much. Um, but I am Cindy's assistant and uh, handle all of the community events, the scheduling, the coordination um, that goes on with all of that and uh, membership outreach as well and anything else that she assigns for me to do. And I'm just uh, so honored and so blessed. Thank you. Don't go too far. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So next, I want to talk a little bit about community. And first, I want to know, is there, how many of you have ever been on a community event? Okay. So now, wait, how many of you have never been on a community event? All right, there's, <laughs> so there might be one, two, three, I don't know. Um, okay, but if you've only been to one, if you've been to many, we're going to talk just a little bit about how the community got started and really what an amazing tool the community has become for the American Council of the Blind. And when I say that, I say it with a huge net because it means it has become an amazing thing, an amazing tool, an amazing opportunity for every member and every affiliate in ACB. We started out of something pretty scary, right? Got sent home, couldn't go to work, had to stay in our homes. Um, and it was a scary time, and we didn't really know 
how long that was going to last, right? But we held two calls that first week, March 17th and 19th. And since then, we've continued to grow. And I remember before the convention in 2020, the most common question for the month before convention was, is the community going to disappear after convention? And everybody, you know, Dan and Eric and myself were like, no, if people want it, it's going to stick around. And, well, it became evident people wanted it because our numbers continued to grow, whereas our number of events in May of 2020 were 160. In May of 2021, our numbers were well over 300 events. And in May of this year, over 400 events. So, <clears throat> to date, to date, as of May 3rd, no, June 30th, <laughs> June 30th, we have held 8,957 events. And this is so collaborative. Uh, this is affiliates, committees, and industry bringing content to this platform. It's become a platform. It is something that people, individuals, and uh, groups can bring events and present, pull panels together, just all kinds of activities. So, Colby mentioned she puts that schedule together every week. It is daunting. If you can imagine, it's pulling together about 100 events every week. And uh, we are averaging over 400 a month right now since the beginning of 2022. So, um, now I'm going to ask Colby to share some of the types of calls that we hold on Zoom. Okay. All right. So we have different, anything and everything that you could think of, we probably offer it. And if we don't, you're certainly welcome to bring an event yourself. You can learn. We have crafting events. Our ACB crafters hold lots of events. We have technology, peer support. Um, learning languages, Spanish, French, Latin. If you want to learn to play guitar, we've got health and wellness exercise events with Leslie Spoon and others who contribute as well. And um, fun. fun events, karaoke every week, and it's playtime every week as well. Um, social events are also really big. There are also, there's coffee social every day at 11 a.m. Eastern and peer support events. We have many of those that go on and a lot all are also topic driven. Um, those are brought by individuals, affiliates, and committees. All right, perfect. Don't, don't leave me. Okay. okay. And tell them, don't leave me, don't leave me. I might, I might come to you again. <laughs> Many of our special interest affiliates bring content on, an, on a weekly basis or monthly basis. And many of them have reported increase in membership because of their visibility on this platform. 
the community events is a great opportunity for committees to share their work. Resolutions was on the platform many times over the last several weeks, as was constitution and bylaws. But it doesn't have to stop there. Many of our members wonder what our committees do. So this is a great way for our membership to learn about uh, the committee work. I want to let everyone know how you can subscribe to our daily email. So every night, give or take, around 10 p.m. Eastern, um, Belinda and Colby are much better at this than me, so sometimes mine comes out at like midnight, but, <laughs> but we send out the next day's schedule. And it has all of the Zoom links and the uh, one-tap mobile number, phone number, meeting ID, and passcode for you for each of those calls. Everyone is welcome. We do not check ID at the door. We know we have regular participants in our community that are members of another blindness organization or who are not yet affiliated with any blindness organization. This is our opportunity to show them what ACB is all about. We have been really blessed to be able to partner with ACB Media. Their support is, is, uh, it is priceless. They podcast, they stream, and they support community, and we are grateful. If you would like to receive the daily schedule in your inbox, send an email to community at acb.org and we will be happy to take care of that for you. You can also listen to a recorded version of the daily schedule by calling 800-424-8666. Yes, that's the 800 number for ACB. Follow the prompts and you'll hear our uh, delightful, charismatic, charismatic Colby <laughs> um, read to you the daily schedule. But there's another way. Every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, we are on Zoom and on uh, Clubhouse. And we do ACB Presents the Daily Schedule. We average around 70 people on that call every morning, whether it's a holiday or it's a Sunday or whatever. So we just want everyone to take advantage and join us in any way they can. Here at convention, we can also be found in the St. Nicholas room. And I know Colby is anxious as, as anxious as I am to meet all of you. So um, come see us there. Tonight, I believe we're in ballroom A. It's where karaoke was last night for karaoke entertainment. And uh, it's playtime on Wednesday night. Both of those are at uh, 7.30 p.m. Central. 
and we will also, of course, be on Zoom and ACB Media, so definitely be listening in. We have 30 or so people signed up to do that. All right, I want to quickly talk about affiliates and how you can create a similar environment in your local communities. Because what we are doing in ACB with our communities, you absolutely can take part in it. And then we'll share your event on our email that goes out to over 2,200 people every day. And we will share that and it will show that your event is being sponsored by you. But if you don't want to share it nationally, that's okay too. Reach out to me and I would be happy to work with you on how you can set up your own community events for your affiliate and um, keep it localized. And that's fine. But please use this tool because we've learned even though people are going back to in person, we have many people in our community, and I use that word hugely because we know in our community, ACB community, we have our Fenerican Circu in Finland. We have, we have hosts that live in the U United Kingdom. Two of them are hosting for this convention, Sandra in the UK and Tori in South Wales. Isn't that amazing that we've been able to reach that far? So I, I want to talk about how we make a difference. You know, there's a saying, the difference a day makes. I want to say, each of you can make a difference. At the end of the day, when you lay your head down, I want you to be able to know that you made a difference. And this can be in your chapter, in your state or special interest affiliate, or in your local community, or in the virtual ACB community, which we've learned coming here <laughs> that it's not just virtual, we're all real. <laughs> um, but I want to tell you really quickly a couple of quick stories of people who I know have been impacted. We hear all the time about how the community has saved people's lives, people who had spouses or still have spouses in uh, care facilities. They're separated from their spouse or who have lost their spouse while we've been together. And um, we know that we've been able to lift them up and encourage them People who might have an intellectual disability or some other um, challenge, they can come to the community and they can be heard and they can share and they can feel accepted. Because what is the motto for community? Safe, respectful, welcoming. That's right. <laughs> And I, wanted, I want to close with one final story. And last night at karaoke for RSVA, it was shared. We have a precious woman in this community, a new member of ACB, who's also serving on the Multicultural Affairs Committee now. Her name is Lisa Sled. <clears throat> About three years ago, 
Lisa loved going to karaoke. She was sighted and she was working for Ford Motor. And one night as she was driving home, left the parking lot, somebody shot her in the head. She survived. She was blinded, but she survived. She found us about a year ago through Belinda Collins, who had worked with her on technology, came to, started coming to the community, and guess where she started coming? Karaoke. And it took her a while before she started singing, but then she started singing. And she told me one day when she visited me that coming to karaoke gave her her voice back. And then <clears throat> last night at karaoke, she got up and she sang the last train to Georgia, and I'll just say she hit it out of the park. Yeah, right but that was her first time she got in front of a crowd at a microphone and sang since her accident. And I just think she is courageous. And I want you all to remember that every person that comes to us, whether it's your chapter, whether it's in passing, whether it's here, when we meet blind people, everyone has a story. And every one of them, we can make a difference. Thank you, Lisa, for allowing me to share your story. We love you. And thank you, ACB, for doing your part to make a difference. Let's grow. Let's make a difference. Take care and enjoy the rest of the convention. Thank you, Cindy. Got to raise it up here a little bit. No problem. Thank you, Cindy, for for that uh, wonderful um, uh, presentation. And um, I, I just got to say two quick things, guys. Uh, first of all, when I heard that story last night, I heard Lisa sing, and yes, she did knock it out of the park, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. But also, when I caught that story, it brought this big man to tears to hear that. And uh, the other thing, <laughs> I was kind of teasing Colby up here. I said, you know, Cindy was retelling it, and I said, Colby, you can't even reach my shoulder to cry on it. <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing, I've had the privilege of hosting many, several calls in the community, and it is a source of pride for me to, 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 to do that for the community and do that for ACB, and I know it is for all of our hosts that we take our job very, very seriously. I know a couple weeks ago, I was hosting a call, getting ready to host a call, and my computer was not cooperating. And I, Karen can tell you there were words coming out of my mouth that should not be uttered in mixed company. <laughs> I was very upset because I was late, and I, and I didn't like that. So anyway, um, thank you for that. Um, okay, before I turn this podium back over to our president, Mr. Dan Spoon, Again, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to all of us this morning. But most of all, thank you, the members of ACB, not only for electing me as second vice president, but through that, for giving me the privilege of coming before you and presiding this morning. It's indeed an honor. It always is an honor to stand before ACB and preside. Um, I only wish I had sent the Zoom link to my parents so they could have heard this. But anyway, um, 
Thank you very much, ACB. Everyone enjoy the rest of the convention, and everybody had better be in person next year in Schaumburg, Illinois. Thank you, ACB. Here's Dan. Thank you, Ray, for being our presenter, officer presenter of the day. And wow, what wonderful, uh, wonderful words from Cindy and Colby and team. So thank you all so, so much. Appreciate it. All right, now it's time to hear first the results of our elections for the fourth board of directors position and then move down, uh, well, see how we move forward with our elections. So first, folks, I'm going to do a little simple math with you guys because this election was close. So I want to make sure everybody's got the numbers in their head. So if you had five people vote, would, what would the majority of the votes needed to be to win? How many out of five? Three. All right. It's going to get a little harder. We have 101 people vote. How many do we need to have a winner? If we have 801 people vote, how many do we need to have a winner? 401. Now, if we have 850 people vote, how many do we need to have a winner? 426. So, two things I need you to know. First, is that we had one affiliate who was trying to get into the roll call today from New Jersey. Their, their delegate uh, is, is not available. Their alternate delegate was there with their hand raised. They were not able, they, they were not able for some reason to unmute. We um, believe, and my ruling as the president is we want to make sure everybody who's there on time and in the Zoom room, which was this was verified, has the opportunity to participate. So, so I want to turn the floor back to our ACB uh, secretary, Denise Colley, to let the, uh, everybody here in the room know how New Jersey cast their two votes. Thank you, Mr. President. I did contact their alternate delegate because we felt that was only fair. And New Jersey had two votes, and their two votes were for Terry Pacheco. Thank you, Madam Secretary. So we'll have our supervisor of elections come up. Again, we had a total of 850 people cast their ballot. So as we all yelled out, it took 426 to have a majority, a majority of all three candidates. So I now turn it over to Nancy Marks Becker to read the results of our fourth board of directors position. So the first I'm going to read is the individual vote and the percentage that that person got. The second, I will read the affiliate vote and the percentage of the affiliate vote they got and then I will read the total with the percentages also. Little closer to the microphone, Nancy. Is that better? Yes. Okay, do I need to repeat? Okay. For the individual vote, Terry Pacheco received 225 votes, which was 46%. Cecily Laney Nipper 
received 226 votes, which was 46.2%. Kelsey Nicolay received 38 votes, or 7.8%. Then on the affiliate vote, Terry Pacheco received 203, or 56.2%. Cicely Laney Nipper, 151 and one half, or 42% of the votes. Kelsey Nicolay received 6.5 or 1.8%. The totals, Terry Pacheco, 428 with 56, oh wait, 50.4%. Cecily Laney Nipper, 377 and one half, or 44.4% of the vote. Kelsey Nicolay, 44 and a half, or 5.2% of the vote. Therefore, Terry Pacheco is our new board of director for our fourth position. Thank you to our supervisor of elections, and I'm hoping that maybe we could get Terry to say a few words. I know she's on Zoom. Thank you, ACB. Thank you, everyone. No. The affiliates. Okay, here we go. Terry. Votes. Thank you, Terry, and congratulations. We would also like to give uh, Cecily an opportunity to speak if she wishes.
Mike 8, she's at Mike 8. Stand by, we're trying to get uh, Chelsea, Kelsey to, to, to a working mic. Uh, Cecily, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Cecily. <laughs> Nancy and Cecily are arm in arm trying to find a working mic. But. I'm getting up and get moving, you guys. I want to thank Terry for an excellent race and congratulate her and, and say that I support her 100% and can't wait to continue to grow within ACV and continue to grow with all of you. Thank you. And do we uh, have uh, Kelsey to, is she on Zoom? Would she like to say a word or two? Kelsey, if you're here, kindly raise your hand, please. Dan, she came in on a tote telephone yesterday and I don't know what her phone number was okay and her hand is not raised okay all right well thank you Rick and thank you Kelsey for your for your participation in our democratic process we greatly appreciate it all right we'll now move on to our candidates election for our fifth board of director position that name that has been put in nomination is Rachel Schroeder from Springfield Illinois a technology assistant specialist. And at this point in time, I will see if our supervisor of elections, Nancy Marks Becker, if all hands are lowered in our Zoom room. Hands are lowered. All right, all hands are lowered. I will call for nominations three times from the floor. So for the first time, are there any nominations for the floor for our fifth board of directors position? Nancy, do we see any hands raised in either the Zoom or in the room? I do see one hand raised and it's Chuck Jones in Zoom. All right, if we could recognize Chuck Jones. Okay, Chuck, if you unmute yourself, please. Yes, I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? I'm unmuted. Go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead, Chuck. Uh oh. Uh, I'd like to place the name and nomination Cindy Hollis. No. Cindy Hollis. Cindy Hollis. Cindy Hollis. We'll mute Chuck and I'll reply. Yeah. Uh, 
Cindy Hollis says thank you, but she is a staff member and not eligible to run for the board of directors. All right, just to check one more time, for the first time, do we have any hands raised, Nancy, in either the Zoom room or in the hall? I see no additional hands raised. All right, for the second time, do we have any nominations from the floor? I see no hands raised in additional hands raised in Zoom and no hands raised on the floor. For the third and final time, do we have any nominations from the floor? I see no hands raised in the room. I do see two additional hands raised in Zoom. Rick, there's Jamaica Miller and Lino Morales. Jamaica, go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Yes. A am I unmuted? Yes. Okay. I would like to nominate Cecily Nipper. Just, just a moment. I'll come over to you, Cecily. She's, de she's declining, yeah. so I just want, I want everybody to hear that. Jamaica, thank you for the nomination. We are going to hear from Cecily. Thank you, Jamaica, but I decline the nomination. Cecily has declined the nomination. Thank you, Jamaica. Do we have we had one other hand raised? Well, you know, if you unmute yourself, please. Mr. President, can you hear me? Yes. 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 Good afternoon from the beautiful state of North Carolina. First of all, happy birthday, America. Um, I would like to place uh, Eileen Morales, Becky Davidson, the first vice president of the North Carolina Council of the Blind, as a board member. Thank you. Unfortunately, I have to rule that out of order. We already have a board of director from the state of North Carolina, which is Chris Bell, and our Constitution only allows one director from a given state. Thank you, though, William, for the nomination. And I'm sure Becky appreciates it. Are there any other hands raised either in Zoom or in the hall? I see, that one. I see no other hands raised in the Nancy, room, I but, see, but, I see Annie Davis. but I do oh, see oh. Annie Davis raised in Zoom. Annie Davis. Okay, I have the hand of Annie Davis. Okay. Like to nominate Kelsey I heard that we had the name of Kelsey Nikolai placed in nomination for the fifth board of directors position. Is Kelsey there? If she's not present, I may need a ruling from our parliamentarian. My understanding is Kelsey is not available on Zoom. She's not attending the meeting. Um, um, Denise, our parliamentarian, I mean, my thoughts are that if somebody is going to be put in nomination, they need to be in the proceeding of the meeting to be able to accept the nomination, but I'd like a ruling from our parliamentarian. I feel like for somebody to be a candidate, they need to be able to accept the nomination. 
And the question, and Davis, the question we have to ask you, have you got the consent from Kelsey to be nominated? I'm sorry, no. Mr. President. Did you say no? She said no. That's what I thought. So she has said no. So our parliamentarian rules that that is not a valid nomination. Mr. President, yes. this is Kathy Lyons. I move that nominations be closed. I, I do not need to accept the motion for nominations to be closed. Thank you, Kathy, but we had that discussion yesterday. We don't need to vote on it, we, but. Well, so we don't need a motion. So we don't need you. a motion, okay. Thank so, you. I'll ask one more time to our supervisor elections. Are there any other nominate, are there any other raised hands? We have called third and final time for nominations from the floor. I do have one, another raised hand in Zoom, and it's Patty Fletcher. I do not have any raised hands in the room. I nominate Lucy Edmonds. Lucy Edmonds has been placed in nomination, and Lucy has declined the nomination. Please, if you're going to put somebody in nomination, you need to check with the potential candidate and make sure they wish to serve. I did try to email her. Thank you. Madam Supervisor, do we have any other raised hands? I have no additional raised hands in the room or in Zoom. Thank you. Hearing no more raised hands, I now uh, appoint is that the nominations have been closed and we appoint by acclamation Rachel Schroeder for our fifth <laughs> board of directors position. <laughs> Rachel, would you like to say a few words, please? All right. All right, we will not hear from Rachel now. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to hear from her later in the convention, but congratulations to Rachel Schroeder. Schroeder. Woo, my name's right. Rachel Schroeder. We are now going to move on to our Board of Publications Director's Positions. We have three BOP Director's Positions uh, to vote on for today's event. Our first candidate uh, that was put in nomination by our nominating committee is Zelda Gephardt from Edgeley, North Dakota. Uh, Zelda is an intake specialist. We have placed in nomination Zelda Gephardt for our first Board of Publications Director position. So Supervisor of Elections Nancy Marks Becker are all hands down in the Zoom room. All hands, just give me a second here, let me check at the top here. All hands are down in the Zoom room. Thank you. So for the first time, for the first Board of Publications Director's position. Are there any nominations from the floor? I see no nominations in the room and no nominations in Zoom room. For the second time, are there any nominations from the floor for our first Board of Publications Director's position? I see no nominations no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in Zoom room. Sorry about that, you guys. <laughs> You're doing great, Nancy. This is not, we're doing, this is, this is, this is good. It's been a great, for great the, election. That's all I'm going to say. For the third and final time, 
Are there any nominations for, from the floor for the first Board of Publications director's position? I see no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in Zoom either. Thank you. I now declare that nominations be closed and Zelda Gephardt be appointed by acclamation. Zelda, we'd love for you to say a few words. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you for your confidence in me. It's been my pleasure to serve on the BOP, and I will continue to try and do everything that I can to serve all of you. Thank you. Congratulations, Zelda. We now will move on to our second Board of Publications uh, position. Uh, the second name that was placed in nomination by our nominating committee was Penny Reader from Montgomery Village, Maryland. Penny is a retired trainer and technical specialist. So at this point in time, Supervisor of Elections, do we have all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down in the Zoom room. Thank you. For the first time, do we have any nominations from the floor for our second Board of Publications Director's position? There are no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in the Zoom room. Thank you. For the second time, do we have any nominations from the floor for our second Board of Publications Director's position? I see no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in the Zoom room either. Thank you. For the third and final time, do we have any nominations from the floor for our third, a second Board of Publications Director position? I see no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in the Zoom room either. Thank you. At this point in time, I move that all that nominations be closed and that Penny Reader be appointed by acclamation. Congratulations, Penny. Very much enjoyed serving on the Board of Publications. We are here for all of you. We think our publications just continue to get better and better, and that's because more and more of you are writing for us and participating on ACB Media and in the community. Remember, the Board of Publications meets every month, and our meetings are open to all of you, and you can always find me on email or just about anywhere else that you look for me in ACB. So uh, come and see me and talk to me if you want some help with writing or if you have an idea about what we should be doing. And uh, we're only here to make ACB shine uh, within the organization and within the greater community as well. So thank you very much, and uh, yay ACB. Congratulations to all the winners, including Terry and Tilda. Thank you, Penny, and congratulations. All right, now our third and final Board of Publications Director position. The nominating committee 
put in nomination Cache Wells, author from Jacksonville, Florida. All right, for the first time, I'd like to ask for nominations from the floor for the third Board of Publications director position. I see no hands raised in the room or in the Zoom room. Thank you, Nancy. For the second time, do we have any nominations from the floor for the third Board of Publications director position? I see no hands raised in the room and no hands raised in Zoom room. For the third and final time, do we have any nominations from the floor for the third Board of Publications director position? I see no hands raised in the Zoom and no hands raised in the, no, no hands raised in person and no hands raised in the Zoom room. No hands raised anywhere. Correct. So therefore, I'd like to say that nominations are closed and Cache Wells has been appointed by acclamation. Good morning, and thank you so much to the ACB family. I love you guys, and thank you all for trusting me and uh, continuing to support me, and I continue to pray that I continue to serve you well, that I impact when I can, how I can, and wherever I can so that we move forward with human rights, disability rights, for accessibility, advocacy, awareness, and that we just, I, I think one thing Dan said the other day um, is that kindness is such a, a beautiful thing. And I pray that as we move forward in this year, that even as I approach some of you, that that same kindness I give is what you give back to me. Thank you for allowing me to serve you. Thank you and congratulations, Cache. This concludes our candidate elections for 2022. Congratulations to all the winners and congratulations to all our ACB members who took the opportunity to exercise their democratic right to vote. Thank you all so much. All right. All right, next uh, we are going to hear for announcements and door prizes. So. Doors, hey, door Dan, prize, Nebraska. Dan, Rachel is here. Oh, Rachel is here. Okay, let, let us take an opportunity to hear a few words from Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, I very much appreciate the nominations, the support, and um, uh, talk about a few moments of suspense and then being on the wrong Zoom link. But uh, we got it done. So thank you. and. I look forward to this new chapter in ACB life for me because, um, you know, I've done so much on the local and state level and, and I, I really, and some national work as well, but I, I really look forward to serving on the board and, and um, you know, giving whatever I can back to ACB. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel, and congratulations. Testing. You won't have too far uh, to travel for the fall board meeting in Schaumburg. <laughs> All right. So now, uh, door prizes and announcements. So door prizes. Mr. President, uh, yes. 
The host committee from Nebraska has five outstanding door prizes for right now. The first door prize is $50 cash from Lua. And it goes to uh, this resident in the great state of Utah, Donald Anderson. Donald Anderson is a $50 cash winner. Now, our second door prize is a $25 Uber gift card from the state of Nebraska. And from the great state of Minnesota, we have a Mr. David Turner. David Turner, $25 Uber gift card winner. And now we have from uh, uh, an outstanding goodie gift bag from Hawaii. It's a goodie gift bag. Uh, it's filled with goodies in a gift bag. And the winner is from the great state of Oregon, Mr. or maybe Mrs. Bobby Earp. Bobby Earp. B-O-B-I Earp. And then we also have another $25 Uber gift card from Nebraska. And this winner is from the state of Washington, Mr. David Edick, E-D-I-C-K, $25 Uber gift card winner. And then the last door prize of today is a... Uh, it's a uh, tumbler glass, you know. We all need to stay hydrated. It's uh, from the uh, uh, NCAB, NCAB. It's a tumbler, uh, and it has, uh, it's, the winner is from Virginia, Mr. Douglas Wakefield. Douglas Wakefield, you're the winner of a tumbler from the NCAC. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, host committee and Mark and team from Nebraska. Appreciate those wonderful door prizes. And now we'll see if they have any announcements before we adjourn. Do we have any announcements? I'll first recognize David oh. Trott, I think. Okay, thank you, I have Dan. some too, Dave. I have some too. And I have, one, I have one also. All right, so David Trott. Okay, for all you great people out there that's helped us this year, uh, we still have a few tickets left for the Braille Forum raffle. Uh, you know my friend Alan Peterson has them. Uh, he, he thinks he's close to his goal, but I don't think he's there yet. Y'all need to help him out. Uh, but I do appreciate what Alan does every year. He does such a great job. Now let's talk about this great, easy-to-help ACB program called MMS, or Monthly Monetary Support. Uh, you can donate as little as $10 a month. You can even split that with your local affiliate or your special interest affiliate of your choice. Come by and visit us in the exhibits today. Uh, as Dan mentioned this morning, we have two $25 gift cards each day from Amazon. And on over in August, when we get all your information processed, we will draw for a second place prize of $200 and a first place prize of $300. And those will also be Amazon gift cards. Now for what the people that signed up yesterday and the day before. Oh, and let me tell you one other thing. If you sign up this week, you will automatically be in the drawings every day this week. 
if you signed up since last convention through this convention, you will automatically be in the grand prize drawings. So if, if you've signed up this week and you don't win today, don't be disappointed. Your opportunity is still there. So our two winners today are Frank Welty and my buddy Kenneth Reeds from Mississippi. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, David. Did I hear Janet? You did. You did. I have, ahead, a I have a couple announcements. Um, it was mentioned today that uh, karaoke is in the Hilton. Karaoke, so that we could have Zoom connectivity, is over in the Convention Center 208. So go to karaoke today over here in 208. I was asked by Rhonda to announce that those of you who are going to the ball game, if you bring a fanny pack or backpack, it has to be clear so that they can look into it. So Rhonda said only clear backpacks or fanny packs. Also, Hims asked me to announce for any Braille Sense user who is having difficulty connecting at the Hilton, they have come up with a handy dandy tutorial for anyone and you can stop by the Hims booth and they will put it on a thumb drive and that will help you get connected to the Wi-Fi at the Hilton. And that's all I have, Mr. President. Mr. Thank President. Thank you so much, Janet. And could you see me once we uh, finish up? Before? No. Thank you. I, <laughs> Mr. There's, Mr. There's, President. Yes. Who's yeah. seeking the floor? This is Michael Garrett. Welcome, Michael. You have the floor. Yes. I, uh, as Ray was uh, peddling raffle tickets, I also have raffle tickets. These are related to the National Beep Baseball Association and uh, to help our team get to the World Series. You can win up to four prizes, a PS5, big screen television, an iPad, or $100 Amazon gift card. $10 a piece for each ticket. You can find me at the MMS table in the exhibit hall or somewhere around the convention. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. And when you buy those beatball raffle tickets, sign up for MMS. That's right. That's right. There's Mr. President. Yes. Who's this seeking is the floor? Chris Prentice from Avia. Thank you. Go ahead, Chris. Yes, uh, it was in the paper this morning that uh, our Supreme Court update uh, would be occurring in my sleeping room. That is not correct. It has been changed to the Washington City Room, which is near registration and the information desk in the Hilton and that will be from 1.30 to 4.30. Okay, the Supreme okay. Court uh, uh, session will be in, say it one more time, Chris. Washington City Room, which Washington is- Washington City Room, so Washington City Room in the Hilton, near registration. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chris. Mr. President. Yes, is that Gabriel? Yes. Go ahead, Gabriel. Okay, a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, an apology and an acknowledgement. Um, this morning, we had a little bit of an incident with one of our puppies in a room, and um, that's why we were late this morning, the BPI um, delegates. However, I also want to take this opportunity to make an acknowledgement to the folks of Scoop Masters. Tim and his crew, they are amazing. They helped us out. And I really want to recognize them for the amazing job they do everywhere we go. Thank you, Tim and Maria and Scoop Masters. Yes. 
Um, that's a very important job for all of us guide dog users, so it's highly appreciated. Uh, to an uh, one announcement and one question. Um, also, I noticed that uh, the wine tastings, BPI wine tastings, have been announced as taking place in the Hilton. However, they are going to be happening in room 202 here at the convention center. So that's room 202 today and tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. And uh, Janet, if you're in the room, uh, if you could please get with us because we need the room number for the blind dating in a sighted, sighted world. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel. Any other announcements from the floor? This is David Dallin from Viva. I'd like to invite all veterans of ACB to the meeting at 1 o'clock in the HH Hill Room in the second, on the second floor at 1 o'clock. Thank you. Thank you. So if you're interested in the veterans, H.H. Hill Room at 1 o'clock in the Hilton. And congratulations to our veterans one more time on the 4th of July. Yay. Everyone, enjoy the 4th. Have a great day. Hope there's lots of fireworks. If you can't see them, you can just listen to them out there. And the meeting is in recess till tomorrow at 8.30.